This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Welcome to The Crusader, a podcast about the castles and crusades role-playing. Allison, grab your vest. The die is cast. Welcome, everybody, to episode nine of the Crusader podcast. The Crusaders just got back from GaryCon, and we're excited to talk to you about it. First thing we're going to do, though, is jump right into troll mail. I think because I guilt-tripped everybody last time, (laughs) (laughs) we actually got some emails and a voicemail, too. Uh, We're going to fire up the voicemail from DM Mike from the Save for Half podcast. Hey guys, this is Mike Stewart, uh, DM Mike from the Safer App Podcast. Uh, just calling to congratulate you guys on finally getting Somebody Got a Castles and Crusades podcast out there. Uh, great stuff. Just listen to your episode 8 about house rules. Had uh, some things I'd encountered there, a few I hadn't. Um, and if I missed it, I, my apologies, but I didn't notice anyone really talking much about the putting the roles where you want them rather than putting them in order. Um, that's been something I've run into a time or two. You know, the old school method is roll them, you know, strength, you roll your strength, you roll your intelligence, and that's that. Whereas others, most people today tend to prefer more of a put them where you want them. And I was just curious how y'all feel about that. Keep up the good work. Bye. Well, Mike, thanks for calling in. I'm a big fan of uh, you and Liz and Jim, back when you guys were on Save or Die, and I really love Save for Half so far, too. Um, to answer your question, uh, I let people put them where they want, usually if we're playing a campaign. If we're doing a one-shot, then it's 3d6 in order, or 4d6, take out the lowest, uh, but in order for a one-shot. But for a campaign, I let them put them where they want it. You know, I'm almost positive we've had this conversation on an episode before. It wasn't on the House Rules one. Um, and and maybe it's a conversation we've had independently that didn't get recorded. But I do remember I have I mean I have the exact same answer. If it's a one shot, I prefer three D six in order. For campaigns, I'll let them uh move them around or generate characters differently. Um and I don't know why, because I, I don't necessarily expect them to keep their characters in a campaign either. Um, maybe it's a time thing, like we can take a little bit more time to create characters since we're planning this big campaign, where if we're sitting down for a one-shot, we got this three to four to six-hour period to play this game. Let's just get it done. Let's just get the character created. So uh, uh, just do the do the 3D6 in order and get it taken care of. Of course, I'm sure we've said it before, but Mike Stewart, a uh, longtime contributor to uh, Castles and Crusades and some of the uh, Trollor game products, uh, be it the Shadows of Halfling Hall adventure, which is just fantastic, and another one, Verdant Rage, that he wrote on, and various contributions to the uh, CNC game and, and the Victorious role playing game, which is uh, fairly compatible with Castles and Crusades for uh, Victorian supers. But yeah, it's always good to hear from Mike. We see him out on the convention circuit from time to time i you know as far as the uh the character creation i let people assign them as they want and and as far as the convention games i always have pre-gen so it's never really an issue uh, at the conventions but yeah i let people assign as they want and i and i know i covered recently how i let them do that or have two sets of numbers uh sometimes if their roles are poor and uh kind of 
get him a playable character. But yeah, I, I'm not too choosy about all of that. And I don't stick to uh, the old hardcore 3D6 and here's the strength. But I mean, I could see where it would be fun to do that in a game uh, here and there. But I, I generally don't. Uh, going to our emails, we have an email um, from our friend Louis Lau. He wrote a considerable amount here um, to encompass all of his house rules. I know that he is involved with some other people on the Facebook group about getting together a, a living document for house rules of the Facebook community. So that's really cool. And I hope that goes somewhere. Um, I'll be checking that out for sure. He's got some really interesting ones though. I don't, I'm not going to go through all of his. Um, one thing I think is really cool. His clerics gain a blessing based on the God that they follow at fifth level. He says this would usually come in the form of a spell or a huge bonus that can be used a number of times per day, equal to their wisdom modifier. And its duration is based on the spell, or in the case of bonuses, they last for one full round. He gives an example of strength of the seraph. This blessing grants the cleric unnatural strength for a brief period of time. The cleric gains a plus one bonus to strength for every five levels he possesses. This bonus lasts for one round and may not be removed or dispelled by any means. So I think that's cool that that gives an, an extra little flair to his clerics and uh, builds on his, his home world too. He also splits some races up, which I think is neat. He has a couple different kinds of dwarves. He says dwarves are divided into two kinds of dwarves in his homeworld, uh, mountain dwarves and deep dwarves. Mountain dwarves live in cities on top of the highest mountains. They do not possess deep vision, um, but it's replaced with twilight vision. Uh, they gain cold resistance of five and climb in exchange of determined depth and direction of the racial trait of the dwarves. Deep dwarves live inside the great caverns of the world, and those follow the rules from the player's handbook. So I think that's that's pretty neat that he's got two different kinds of dwarves, um, unique to his home world, and his characters get to choose which one they want to be. He splits out uh, knowledge checks into broad and not necessarily knowledge checks, but knowledge in his game is either categorized as broad or focused. Broad knowledge represents knowing about many aspects of a subject, for example, religion, magic, or war. Players that choose a broad knowledge gain a plus one bonus to their intelligence check whenever they wish to learn something related to that knowledge. And then focused knowledge represents specialized, obscure, and sometimes even forbidden knowledge as a subject. For example, undead, rituals, battle tactics, etc. Players that choose a focused language gain a plus one bonus for every four levels they possess to their intelligence check whenever they wish to learn something related to their knowledge. He also has one that's a modification to the charge rule. Instead of just adding a plus two bonus to damage uh, in my game, the charge action also adds a plus two to hit. And he said he noticed that player charged an enemy only like three times during eight months of real life gameplay. Uh, when he asked why, they answered that the penalty they see was too high for just a plus two to damage. And, uh, since mostly warrior types that already had a good base to hit would hit an opponent on a charge, they decided that the negative four to armor class was not worth uh, simply just having a plus two to damage. So he introduced a plus two to hit, plus two to damage for the charge. And he noticed people taking that option uh, more readily. I, I think, you know, to some degree, that might just be a reaction to the numbers matching up. I, I lose four points in something and gain four points total uh, elsewhere. So uh, I, I could see that just being a reaction to being like, the numbers are the same. This is now worth it. Yeah. Negative four seems like a, a harsh penalty when you're, when you're the one rolling the dice, you know, 
Well, thank you so much, uh, Louis Lau, for uh, the email. And uh, we really do appreciate all of your insight on this uh, and uh, adding to our house rules discussion. Yeah, I love what they're doing over there in Puerto Rico with uh, with Castles and Crusades, uh, Louis and Roberto and the rest of them. It's just games that you want to be in. You, you hear their accounts of how the game sessions went or uh, even how Roberto is taking various Cthulhu D20 source books and Amazing Adventures and uh, Castles and Crusades and kind of rolling it into something. And I kind of look forward to hearing more about that that he's been talking about on the Castles and Crusades Facebook discussion group. Yeah, we've got a message uh, in our inbox from Greg Bruni, and he says, Hello, guys. I just listened to the episode eight installment of the uh, House Rules podcast, and upon hearing Mr. Morrison, uh, you can just call me Tyler Mo. I'm not, I'm not all that formal, but uh, upon hearing Mr. Morrison talk about the uh, Amazing Adventures book and some of its optional rules that people can include in their Castles and Crusades games, he says he had a question. Does that book, for example, AA, Amazing Adventures, have options for making the D20 aspect of Castles of Crusades more dynamic and pulpy combat-wise? He refers to my mention of exploding dice and are also minions-type rules uh, included that make combat less attrition-based. And he thanks us for doing the podcast. And Greg, I really appreciated uh, your, your your kind comments. And like I said, just just call me Tyler Mo. That's all. Uh, that's all we need here, my friend. No, I did communicate with Jason Vay, the author of Amazing Adventures and one of our many castles and crusades contributors to kind of talk to him about this as well. And of course, I, I have some thoughts as well. But yeah, Jason uh, didn't try and write a pulpy type game when he wrote Amazing Adventures. It still is the D20 system. Uh, obviously, the, the Siege engine is there, uh, created by uh, Matt Gold and, and David Chenault and others. And and that's the heart of Castles of Crusades. Jason definitely wanted to stress that that, that that's going to make the game so simple and allow you to add that pulp flavor to your game and not have to get you know bogged down with uh, all sorts of other rules, or at least as I see it. Uh, the Siege Engine, first and foremost, is, is what keeps things rules light and allowing you to concentrate on the feel for your game. But uh, there, there are things that are in Amazing Adventures and the Castle Keeper's Guide, of which Jason authored uh, both uh, segments. For example, some things that you'll find in both books will be uh, Fate Points. And that, like I said, is in the Castle Keeper's Guide and Amazing Adventures. We'll kind of go into this. You start out with a certain number of Fate Points at first level, for example, and then you can gain additional 1d4 Fate Points per level. But for example, one thing that you could do uh, and, and for your Castles and Crusades game, for that matter, not just Amazing Adventures, is down but not out. For example, when a character falls to at least negative 10 hit points or below, normally you're considered dead. Uh, but that's not so if you have some fate points to use. Uh, it costs three fate points and results in a character reduced to exactly negative nine hit points and stabilized. But you have to have the three points to use the ability and you can call on it once per character level but that, that's kind of a nice thing to have another thing that maybe uh could give to that pulp feel would be fortune's favor when you spend one fate point to improve a d20 roll you add one d8 to the roll to help meet or exceed a target number and a character can declare the use of one fate point to alter a d20 roll after a roll is made but only before the ck reveals the result of the roll and uh, there's another one. I just made it. Expend two fate points, and you automatically make a savings throw. Well, a mighty blow comes to mind as well, where you have a character spending one fate point to make a single 
attack, a very earth-shattering attack. Uh, it's treated to roll 20, and you get to um, the opponent, and it does double the maximum possible damage for the attack, or I guess a critical, depending upon if you're using the optional critical rules from Castles and Crusades uh, that we have in the Castle Keeper's Guide. I, I use the normal way of things from the PHB, so the double damage would be the one I would use. Providence Smiles is another one. You can spend one or more fate points, and you can gain a small plot break, uh, helping you in some minor way. That was overlooked, uh, or any number of things, or maybe the, here comes the cavalry sort of thing. But either way, uh, these are some nice things you can use. Uh, a couple of more would be, you missed me, you missed me. And by expending two fate points, you can avoid a single attack that would have otherwise struck the character. And uh, you have to have two fate points to expend in order to fully dodge uh, that attack. So that, that's a little bit, and uh, they kind of go into details about how you can only spend uh, fate points once per round and, and so forth and, and other details. And I might point out, without getting into too many of the specifics, the Castle Keeper's Guide, the fate point information that is also in Amazing Adventures, you have luck points and hero points uh, that can be used as well and how to expend those. So so you have some options. And I, I don't know if this will lend to the, the pulp feel or that uh, dynamic necessarily you're looking for, but two things that Amazing Adventures and the Castle Keeper's Guide share is also the mana energy point system for uh, spell casting. And uh, that may be something you want to explore. I know Shane Bradley, one of our longtime troll supporters and adherents, he, he uses that. There are a lot of people we've seen recently on the discussion group that are using uh, mana energy points or, or something of their own homebrew. So there are a couple of things that are covered in both books, but there are also some things, as Jason and I were discussing earlier, um, in Amazing Adventures that are strictly in Amazing Adventures but the game is 100% compatible with CNC, so you can use this in your Castles and Crusades game without getting really deep psionics. I think that speaks for itself. Amazing Adventures has psionics rules, and I, I realize there were people that used psionics in their old uh, game many years ago. So that gives you a chance to bring psionics into your Castles and Crusades game. Uh, also, uh, Sanity, uh, if you're looking for something a little more Cthulhu-based or certain types of uh, pulp, uh, Sanity would certainly come in. And, and there's uh, Temporary Insanity, all, all diff the differing types of Sanity, uh, and, and tables for it as well, like short-term Temporary Insanity f effects that can be found in the uh, Amazing Adventures rulebook. Uh, temporary Insanity effects for long-term and indefinite Insanity tables which I think uh, could come in handy uh, depending upon what kind of feel you want uh, or the type of pulp, or do you want that Cthulhu feel or whatever the case may be in your Castles and Crusades game. Also, another thing that's strictly in Amazing Adventures that, that won't be found in the Castle Keeper's Guide for uh, CNC or the Player's Handbook would be a spell burn. You know, for example, if you're trying to make a, uh, a spellcaster check for, for a spell being checked, uh, you know, and you, you're spending man mana energy points in a game like Amazing Adventures, if your check fails, you know, the spell fails, you still lose the mana energy points, and the caster is going to suffer spell burn, uh, which is equal to 1d4 points of subdual damage per level of the spell that was attempted and that, and that you failed. So that's those are just a few things that come into play here with Amazing Adventures. And, and I might point out also in our uh, Amazing Adventures Companion, which is a fantastic book. Uh, maybe even for Castles and Crusades use, but certainly for Amazing Adventures that gives more vehicles and, and from World War II and all sorts of things and new equipment and new classes. But something you could uh, lift if you have this book or you're interested in it is Corruption. 
So let's say uh, if you've got a character that for some reason, it sounds like a great story uh, point or a plot you could do where you give yourself over to the uh, dark forces, perhaps, in whatever adventure you're in. And uh, you have that chance of becoming corrupted uh, by their dark energies. And so it kind of takes you on a slide from wherever you started lawful good or uh, chaotic good or whatever. And you just keep sliding down. And it goes into great detail about that. Um, for a better part of a page covering uh, magical corruption. It's uh, a, a few things you could use for your Castles and Crusades game to make it pulpier, if, if that's the term to use, and more dynamic. And if I didn't cover minions, uh, Jason's suggestion was we don't have a rule baked in for minions, but you can use a lot of just one HD, be it creatures, maybe some skeletal minions, or it could be that that lower rung SS trooper or a Russian soldier or whatever the case may be, you know, with lower hit points, easier to take out. And I think that's where you kind of are able to do uh, something with minions. But I hope it covers it for you, Greg. And and I came from Savage Worlds uh, as a game that I still play from time to time. Love it. It's good, good company, good people. And uh, and we're glad to have you on board with Castles of Crusades. And, and hopefully you can find some use in Amazing Adventures or at the very least, a Castle Keeper's Guide. So we got an email here from David McKenzie. Um, this is a, a great email. Uh, it definitely brightened my day to read it. Um, I'm going to read the whole thing to you guys. David says, I finished listening to episode eight last week and was surprised to hear you haven't gotten any mail. I think you're the best gaming podcast I've found because you do the best job of keeping the subject matter focused on the game. And he said, bully for editing. He says, Jesse, my godson, and I have gotten to know each other over RPGs over the last year. In fact, you GM'd his first ever role-playing game when you ran us through Assault on Blacktooth Ridge Thursday morning at GaryCon last year. He played a bard in that game, and he still loves playing bards to this day. Tyler, we also played in your your Wizard's Uncle game Saturday night at GameholeCon in November. Whatever was in your Sprite bottle fueled a memorable evening. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) If you're ever looking for some show ideas, I'd love to hear an episode sometime using the CNC rules as written to run groups through classic AD&D modules. I should say that I first decided to give CNC a whirl when Brandon LaSalle recommended it during an X-Crawl game as being a great system for exactly this purpose. As with all things in gaming, I have a personal reason for this. I lived out of my car for a while in my 20s, and as you'd guess, not many of my possessions survived that time. But years later, after I was married, and about a year after my father died, my mom asked me to go through a Tupperware tub. It was in her storage unit, and she knew it was mine. She needed me to either take it or throw it away so she could move out of the shed. Imagine rolling up the door on a storage unit in Grove City, Ohio, and seeing a mattress, a box springs, and a single large Tupperware tub. Inside was everything. Five copies of Gamma World First Edition, the Player's Handbook, the GM's Guide, Unearthed Arcana, the Fiend Folios, every module I had ever owned, Top Secret, Star Frontiers, and Car Wars. Four years of Dragon Magazines. I don't think I need to say any more. Other games change, but the Castles and Crusades Siege Engine is change personified, so it remains the same. Roll 20, David T. McKenzie. Wow, David, that's that's a lot in there. Um that's that's great stuff. That's I I mean, your email sums up what RPGs are. It touches on bringing uh family members together and also being something there that at the end of your your ordeal there it was it was there waiting for you. It's funny how RPGs will 
leave our lives and then come back into them. And I remember, I remember that assault on Blacktooth Ridge with your um, godson there. Cause I was nervous because he said he had never played before. He said that, or you said it, somebody did, I don't know. Um, so I tried to do my very, very best in that game. And I'm glad he had a good time. And your wizard's uncle, that was a great session. And yeah, and, and a good time that we all had with that one. It's an amazing story. And I love how he uses the, the siege engine remains the same. <laughs> one person's actually listening. Wow, that's a, <laughs> and what a treasure trove of all those games he had come out of that tub. I mean, Star Frontiers, you're speaking my language, man. I remember when I had my mom go up to a Walden Books and, and buy that uh, for me. You know, my friends had it in middle school and, and Gamma World and all that. Yeah, man, that what a... What a great story, and uh, we hope you'll stay in touch with us, and we appreciate your support of Castles and Crusades in, in the podcast. I mean, it's, this is this has really been quite quite an episode already. I would love to uh, touch on running old-school modules with CNC. I think that would be a great uh, subject for an episode, and um, obviously CNC's tagline is the Rosetta Stone of role-playing games and there's a reason for that and uh, i think brendan lasalle was perfectly correct when he said uh cnc would be a great system for taking old modules and uh adapting them and playing them on the fly it's really easy to convert them to cnc and i do think that's a great subject for an episode i'm glad you mentioned brendan lasalle really quickly uh I, i don't care what they say about those guys at goodman games they're all right by me no the 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 troller guys seriously are, are really good friends with joe goodman and that entire bunch, and Brendan LaSalle, I mean, he is the one of the driving forces there at, at uh, Goodman Games. I mean, he's on the con circuit yearly. I mean, it, it's his job, essentially, and and obviously he's pumping Dungeon Crawl Classics and probably Mutant Crawl Classics and other things, and, and of course he's had a long-time association with Chenault and the boys at Troll Lord Games, and I really appreciate him uh, giving us that mention. We always love to see uh, Brandon, uh, and if you're at any con in the United States, uh, uh, Brendan LaSalle is probably there. <laughs> he's he's a great DM. I've played in in multiple games of his, and and I wish I had that energy running games. I don't know how he does it, but he goes and goes and goes. He can't talk by the end of the con, but yeah, he he pumps everything into those games. I can relate to that. And then the last email for today's troll mail section, we have an email from Gene Ritter. And it says, thanks for the podcast. I enjoy listening to it. It would be fun for me to hear a discussion about castles and crusades. Gotchas! Things that are a bit different. Fear saving throws with charisma. Illusionist spells becoming reality. Stuff that looks the same, but is different. I think that's also a really good uh, idea for an episode. Just kind of the what, what to expect when you're expecting to play C&C. Right. <laughs> Those of us that play a lot of games, we get tripped up sometimes because we expect something to work one way and and all games have nuances and sometimes uh, CNC will trip us up too. And Gene, thanks for playing in uh, my Gary Khan game too on Saturday. It was it was a great game. Thanks for being there. So that's one for the hopper. We'll uh, we'll uh, get to a, a couple of uh, future episodes already planned by email suggestions. And I think both uh, the uh, old school modules being ran in CNC uh, and also this one, they're they're going to be uh, coming coming down the line. 
Yeah, and just some great emails. I mean, I can't go on enough about how all, all the emails have just been fantastic this week. And and I think even uh, Stephen Chenault and Matt Golden, the rest of the guys are going to love to hear these. Um, really, really fantastic stuff and, and the testimony uh, from one of them in particular. All right, let's go on to the prime topic. This time it's Gary Kahn. And really, I don't even know where to start. It was such a fantastic time, uh, both tiring and exhilarating and i loved every minute of it i shouldn't say that i loved almost every minute of it um dun 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 (laughs) (laughs) i think we should go day by day we should we should i mean whatever the first day you got there you should talk about that day and just go day by day and we'll go through each day i think that would be the best way to handle this subject so my wife and i rolled into lake geneva on wednesday um Already there was a ton of people there. Uh, we got in line for our badges and everything. Uh, got all that taken care of. Checked into the room. Grand Geneva is great. It's a big place. It's kind of kind of maze-like. Um, so uh, fortunately, we got a room that was right above the, the main uh, RPG gaming area. Um, so we set up there. After that, uh, met up with some people down in the lounge, including Carl. I got to meet him and his wife, Courtney, for the first time in person. So that was great. And really, it was just preparing for the next day and figuring out where everything was and trying to get some sleep. Yeah, I met you in line to get badges. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we we, <laughs> we shuffled past each other. Yep. <laughs> Tyler, when did you get up there? Was it Wednesday for you too, or did you get up earlier than that? Well, speaking of getting up early, yeah, I think I had uh, jumping ahead a bit on Wednesday. By the time I got in bed at about eleven o'clock Wednesday night at, there at the Grand Geneva, after having the obligatory geek pop culture discussions and whatnot with Jason Day in our room, uh, I think I had been up for about two and a half days. And I won't bore you with all the small business work back here at home and all of that and just the crazy schedule of how I was up that long before the con, but that's, that's how it worked out. And, and you get in the vehicle with uh, Stephen Chenault and whoever else. And it, it was his uh, uh, nephew, Dakota McMurray, uh, who's been at various uh, game hole or Gary cons with us and whatnot. And you think, Hey, I've got eight hours of sleep. Stephen's driving. We've got a backup driver, but no, inevitably you end up talking about, you know, any number of things, uh, history, uh, geek stuff, gaming, whatever. And, uh, you know, of course, our bellies were full from Lambert's Cafe back here at home, the uh, the big meal that Tim and Davis and all of us had uh, the night before when they uh, stayed in my neck of the woods uh, going into uh, Wednesday morning. But either way, uh, yeah, we got there Wednesday and, uh, you know, we got to see our usual people. I, uh, there must have been 15 people come up and hug you at different times on the first day that you know from other companies and other players. In. And it's always nice seeing all those uh, people that you see year to year uh, some of them at two or three shows even. And, uh, you know, we, we got the booth set up and everything. And uh, you're back at the hotel room, maybe doing a little game prep or whatever. And trying to take it easy a bit. And uh, that's probably the earliest I got to bed it was about 11 o'clock. I just I had a pile of books on the bed and Jason just looked over and I was crashed. And uh, a long day of work on Thursday. And, uh, of course, great things in the dealer's room. It was a great show. Uh, we had all sorts of uh, box sets for Alfstrag, you know, the uh, Journey to Alfstrag and, and so forth that comprise our A series of modules. All of that sold out over the weekend. And, and on Thursday, uh, we just met so many people that we see year to year. And uh, 
And also I, I had my um, nightmare children game for Amazing Adventures that evening. And, and and we had largely had a full boat at all the games. And Thursday was fantastic. Uh, got a chance to meet, you know, obviously, Carl, you and your wife for the first time. And then uh, meet your sister, whom I realized I had met before <laughs> at a, a small gaming event in southeast Missouri. Because you just don't come across that many dungeon crawl, classic people, you know, backyard, neck of the woods. So that was kind of cool. And and just seeing all sorts of uh, people I had not uh, seen. Uh, th- yeah, Thursday was, was great. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I should mention that my uh, sister is the reason we went to Gary Con. She was planning on going and asked if anybody wanted to kind of ride share and uh, uh, split some costs and get to go to Gary Con and and my wife and I decided to go and my sister uh, is big into Dungeon Crawl Classics and she actually does a YouTube video series called You're No Hero uh, and talks about DCC and her her experience and gaming with uh, that system. Awesome. I'll have to check that out at some point, too. Our Thursday was uh, filled with old school and new school uh, uh, D&D, actually. Um, I played uh, in one of Paul Stormberg's games. Uh, Paul Stormberg runs these really cool kind of D&D artifacts from like the sometimes the very, very early uh, 70s. Uh, 1975 module uh, he ran called The Dark Druids that was uh, originally ran by Rob Kuntz at a um, convention and uh it was just really cool to see those historical things that he does um and then uh we played after that with tim cask also playing original D D. uh so it was it was a lot of old school super old school and then that night i ended up accidentally not accidentally um I was going to play in one of my internet friends' fifth edition game. Fifth edition is not my system of choice, uh, but I wanted to get to game with uh, my internet friend, Ron Korn, who ha- uh, has been on Save or Die uh, in the past. And uh, I wanted to meet him and play in his game. So I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll play it. Well, he was unable to be there, so I had to run the game for him. Um, I, he asked if I wouldn't mind doing that, and I gave it my best shot. And... Uh, and I ended up uh, using the map of the facility that the convention was in for the game. So I just stuck down the book with the map in it and said, that's our dungeon and let's go. <laughs> that's awesome. That is cool with the the map and everything. They they set the map up to look like a dungeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was definitely begging to be ran. I, th- I think Thursday, I uh, going into Friday, I actually got in bed. I think at about three a.m. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I want to say, don't quote me. I, I I hope I'm not off by one night. It could have been Friday night. Maybe it was Thursday night. I'm in the you know they've got the two bars down there. They've got the one more open area where the piano and all of that's at. And I'm I'm standing in the bar area at about two thirty in the morning, just talking to some people I know. And I look behind me, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, it's Casey Christopherson, longtime RPG freelancer uh, for Necromancer, uh, Frog God Games, uh, Watsy, and of course, uh, uh, Troll Lord Games. And I think, what are you doing here? You know, I mean, he never said anything that I know of on Facebook that he was going to be there. And you know, of course, the rest of the trolls, uh, most of them. Uh, they're they're already in bed, and I thought I'm not telling them anything about this. I, I told them I got a surprise for you, but and the surprise was is that because you know we all hadn't seen Casey in person in in quite a while. I mean they they still have a long time relationship with him, and and hopefully we'll get him back in to do some more products in addition to his uh, Haunted Highlands that he does for uh, Troller Games and whatnot. 
And uh, it was just great seeing him. That was a real pleasant surprise. And of course, I did gloss over that we had uh, various trolls come in this time, probably our largest gathering of the real troll royalty, uh, obviously, Stephen Chenault and uh, David Chenault, who has made a more recent return in the last two or three years to the convention circuit. And not only that, but somebody who had not been to Gary Khan before, but some of you know well from Troll or maybe from our Gen Con years was Todd Gray. And he goes back to the beginning. He's the other half of Chenault and Gray Publishing and longtime CNC contributor, CNC buddy. So it's always great to see him uh, since we hadn't been going to Gen Con the last couple of years. And then to have Mac Golden, the other co-creator and the one I know least of all, uh, as he doesn't maintain much of an online presence and that sort of thing. So that was really cool. And Dakota, and and, and then and let's not f uh, forget Jason Vay, uh, an invaluable member of the Troll Lord team. He's been coming to uh, Gary Khan, and, and he was coming to Gen Con with us in past years. He'll he'll also be at Origins. But so we had a very large gathering of trolls, and, and that was great to see everybody on, on Thursday. Thursday for me, I ran Assault on Black Tooth Ridge. Uh, Thursday afternoon, and it was great. I had a lot of smart characters. They they rolled right over it, which which surprised the hell out of me. But it was a great game. Um, hung out with those guys. After that, you know, I had to check out the dealer room. Uh, spent a lot of time walking through there. There's a lot of good restaurants at the Grand Geneva, also. So I took my wife out to eat, and then it was just talking to people and and hanging out and. I also didn't go to bed, and I wasn't out as late as Tyler, but uh, I also, I'm a early-to-bed-early-to-rise person, and I was up all night, <laughs> all four nights there. So it was, it was a great time. You're wise to actually get some sleep. I, I envy you, but I, I always have to push the limits a bit. But, yeah, that, that Thursday night game of mine, uh, the Nightmare Children, uh, went pretty well. We uh, had some of Jason Vay's uh, pre-gens, uh, various-powered gumshoe detective that has psionic powers or the power of the medusa or something like that and uh and, you know the, the different uh, pulp types the arcanist and and uh, a pugilist and so forth and and they uh did pretty well throughout the adventure uh and and we had our big baddie at the end we got through part of that and time was getting upon us sometimes the adventures are a little more free form uh the, the nightmare children and we may have spent a little too much time in one area they had these uh caretakers and these children who were sort of uh uh, psychically linked into this uh, Aboleth, and the Aboleth, we got through uh, just a bit of that at the end, the big baddie, but uh, a good time was had there with the with the Amazing Adventures game on Thursday, yeah. Carl, what was your Friday like? Well, the first game I played in on Friday uh, was actually an eight-hour-long uh, modified basic expert D&D game. Uh, so rules modified, it was a uh, low magic setting, and it was actually based off of a choose your own adventure book that was written by David Conkle. David Conkle was the person running the game. And, uh, uh, that was, uh, uh, risky situation getting involved in an eight hour game at a con because you never know, but it was a lot of fun exploring an old, uh, abandoned castle full of, uh, surprises and monsters and, and all sorts of things. Um, so got to play in that. And then after that, uh, had uh, uh, a great game of Castles and Crusades with the uh, Martins, uh, Jennifer and, help me out, Mark. Yeah. Um, her husband. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jennifer and her husband. Uh, Jennifer well, and that, Mark yeah. Martin um, ran this really cool 
concept of a game where we were an adventuring party at Jennifer's table and the adventuring party at Mark's table. Uh, we were both working on missions that um, helped and involved each other. And we could send messages back and forth with chickens. And one chicken could only draw pictures and one chicken could only write poems. So we got the poem writing chicken. And so we had to write poems to send to Mark's table so they could draw pictures to send back to us uh, and uh, try to figure out the information and clues and history and and uh, investigate this situation with evil creatures coming into the realm and it was it was just cool to, to have a game like that and it went really well and uh it was a fantastic game that sounds really cool i'll be checking that out if they do that again <laughs> next time <laughs> yeah i played icarus uh, a, a paladin uh uh and it was uh really fantastic pregens from mark martin and that i talked to him uh after the game about his pregens they were really well done it was exactly uh how i think pregens should be done where they give you kind of hints to who the character could be but still let you design it yourself just through equipment that they had and stuff like that really sharp sharply uh, put out after that we got into another cnc game do you want me to be the one to first uh talk about this jesse or do you want to wait we're on friday right yeah, yeah you can you can mention it yeah go ahead it was fantastic it may be one of the best one shots i've ever played in my life um, uh, Castles and Crusades ran by Jesse. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on oh, a podcast geez. with him. I'm not just saying that because of this podcast. He's I... trying to make up for the Star Wars thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So Jesse ran um, a one-shot Castles and Crusades game for uh, me and my wife and um, uh, a bunch of the trolls, uh, uh, Davis and Mac and Todd and Jason uh, sat down and we all played this really, really well-ran one-shot that uh, Jesse wrote the module for. And it just, it was just clicking. They, they, I mean, obviously these guys have been playing games for a long time. I've played games for a long time. My wife has played games for a long time. So we had a lot of experience at the table. Um, but man, it really, it really went well. I really enjoyed it gaming with those guys it's incredible how todd gray in his quarterback super soldier body can so immediately be an elf you know the the, the level of of uh elfness that he was just exhibiting it's just it was just fantastic no todd gray is amazing and i encourage anybody that's a fan of castles of crusades if you ever get to meet him if you've had stuff shipped to your house, he's not just the shipper. This guy is heavily involved in, at all levels. I don't want to give that impression, but you know, an amazing guy and a great, 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 great castle keeper. There's no doubt. Yeah, it was a it was a great time. I uh, it was nerve wracking a little bit. I had both the writers there. I had <laughs> just all those trolls there. You know, um, they were all great though. I'm sure I've butchered five or six thousand rules, but we had a good time. Uh, yeah. So thanks. Thanks you guys for, for playing in that. And Carl, thanks for being there. And it was, it was great having your wife there too, Courtney. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was awesome. It was the highlight of my convention for sure. It was a, a dead God dreaming, right? Yes. It's, it's tentatively called a dead God dreaming. Yep. I've been working on it for a while. 
yeah, it's it's a uh, no, I like it. Because <laughs> oh, um, initially I thought that's a great title, even if the game sucks, you have to play it. <laughs> <But apparently, laughs> <laughs> but actually, I understand it doesn't suck, so that's good. You've got this fantastic title in a session that pleased even the likes of Todd Gray and Matt Golden because you know the experience at that table you mentioned. I think Jason Vay started very young actually for him in maybe the late 70s, and then and Matt Golden started in 82. So everybody else at that table had been gaming probably since the 70s, uh, Davis and Steven. So yeah, yeah, better you than me. <laughs> it was it was funny. Uh, so Todd and Davis watching them interact and play together was was pretty great. They they definitely feed off each other. And, and Davis, <laughs> well, we know you, you tune into episode seven of the Crusader podcast. And if you don't know Davis, you soon will. <laughs> Here's the thing about the way they gamed and why I appreciate it so much is it's absolutely the style of gaming I want, where you take the narrative seriously but not the game like you have fun you make jokes you you have a good time but you don't put that into the narrative the narrative is a separate thing from our cracking jokes and having a good time the narrative is a thing that we treat as kind of sacrosanct right where we're going to play these characters the way they uh should be acting the way they should be uh played but we have a good time doing it and as far as Friday on the game related note, uh, of course, a, a million stories you could tell about people you saw or somebody that I sold merchandise uh, next to at some cons in Illinois, who was a random surprise that showed up in the dealer's room. Uh, she was there, but 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 kind of focusing on the game that night, uh, I ran a raid on Ettenridge, which is was kind of a I don't even know that it had a title back in uh the mid late nineties when I was playing the second edition of the fantasy game, kind of some of the standard tropes to some extent, you know, you go into a town that you've been to before, you know, the, the players are picking up something there at the local, if you want to call it the general store, whatever the case may be. And it, instantly these homes are on fire. You know, somebody's rushing into the store telling the, uh, the, the keeper there, Hey, the houses are on fire. Get over here. We've got it. We've got to get this, uh, you know, this, these fires under control. We don't know what's going on. And the players get involved with that. And uh, and they spend a lot of time rescuing rescuing a person or two out of a house, and then also helping to put out the fires. But during that time, uh, there was a, a a member of the constabulary that had come back. Uh, two or three other of the uh, town's uh, constables and, and had been killed. Uh, it turns out there there were orcs involved. Uh, there was also a note of some uh, mysterious figure or some person that was uh, coming into town periodically for supplies kind of standoffish, never talked much, that kind of thing, you know. And so the players got on the trail that they they encountered a couple of gnomes along the way because I know uh, David Chenault loves gnomes. Uh, Albie and Dalby Knackle, two entertainers, the amazing Knackle brothers. But that's a that's a story for another day. And uh, yeah, so it was we had a good time. And uh, kind of on a, a funny note, um, there, there's a couple uh, games at G Game Hole Con and Gary Con, at least the last few years are from Chicago and uh, it was really, really nice to see how in invested they were in, in playing with me, you know, and they're just really sweet people. And uh, I guess they had their games, uh, you know, set in the basket on uh, tabletop events and something went wrong, uh, be it user error or something uh, technical related. And they lost all their games. I know they were signed up for one of mine. And I think, Jesse, they may have even mentioned you, as I recall. 
and they were seeing if I had extra, you know, openings available for the game. They were just devastated because they've played in at least two or three of my games in the past. And, uh, you know, I always check with the con first because there are different rules about just letting people come in and play if they're not, you know, ticketed individuals or whatever the case may be. And the con's like, sure, yeah, as long as you got the uh, seats there and whatnot, yeah, let them in. And I mean, it was just like they had won the won the family feud, and I love them for it because they're great people, and it really made their day. So that was a nice feeling very early on. And that may have even happened on Thursday when we got all that solved for uh, for that couple from Chicago. We also, and I know I've referred to them before, had two of the family members of some people from Minnesota, a family that comes to uh, Gary Con, and they were even at the last game hole finally. Uh, they come down from Minnesota, and uh, this time it was their uh, young daughter who's, I believe, still in elementary school, late elementary probably, and the mother um, – Although she doesn't look at who's about my age, which we won't go into age, but no, they 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 play in one of our games every year. Usually, I have at least the mother, her son, and the daughter. Uh, I I think the games filled up quickly, so we were able to get two of them, and uh, just great to game with them and and the other people who join us for that uh, raid on Ettenridge game. I tried to get into your game, and that's the one I was trying to get into. But I was ice fishing with my buddy, and I'm in the Eastern time. And everybody else, it seems like, is in central time. So I got my times mixed up. And then I was catching fish. And I was like, it's okay. I can wait a little bit and then register. And I went to get on there. And all your stuff had sold out. And I told my wife, Rachel, I was like, I didn't get into any Tyler's game. And she's like, well, I did. She was in the uh, she was in the uh, Victorious game the next night. Oh, was she? I thought she was in. Okay. Yeah, she was in the see, she was the unfortunate one and you were the fortunate one. See, there you were. You you were out there, you were ice fishing up there in the north in the great north, uh like Marty Stouffer from uh Wild no, and you not have that one, far north. You have, one, you have one of those furry caps on and everything, and you you ice fishing and you waited too long. I did. I did. Yeah. Next one I'll be in for sure. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, prepared to be underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> no, we I doubt it. If if your if your stuff uh fills up that fast, I'm sure that I won't be underwhelmed. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why. I think a lot of people's games filled up fast. It's really kind of you know because somebody said, "Well, you're practically one of the celebrities." And I said, "I I said no. I said I think there are a lot of games that fill up quickly. I mean, not everything does for every individual, but but yeah, no, it is nice. And and we do have people that come back every year, like the family from Minnesota and the couple from Chicago and. And other people like a game hole con that will come back year after year after year. And I and I love that. And and hearing the story earlier about the guy and the Sprite bottle and the uh, Wizard's Uncle game and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's fan. I love it. I just absolutely love it. And that's that's the benefit of going to these conventions uh, more than anything. So are we we're still on Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the same game that I ran for the Trolls, I had a registered event for that um, Friday afternoon. So I ran that for some people, uh, appreciated the feedback I got from them. Another smart group of players. We get a lot of smart CNC players. I've noticed that. And uh, they did a great job. Uh, again, it was a great time. And I love running games at GaryCon. And I, I should point out, uh, as this was one of our castle keepers, and certainly I don't have a list of all of them, but we, we can't think enough. I know I speak for the Troller Games guys. You know, the, the castle keepers that some of them I kind of rallied to the cause and then some that were already signing up to run their own games, the Martins and others. And uh, Chris Mothorpe of Chicago, uh, 
a British transplant. He's one of my uh, four or five British friends that I'm proud to, to call a friend and, and whatnot. And uh, he he's uh, he comes to both Game Hole and Gary Con every year. He was in the uh, Friday night game, and we appreciate uh, the games he ran as well. All right, and going into Saturday, uh, the last day of gaming at the con for me, um, I was actually uh, registered too late to the con to sign up to be a, a game master of any kind in any official capacity. So I ended up running a game for my friend Ron. Uh, uh, and then on Saturday, what I did is I ran an all-day, jump-in, jump-out, 1970s fantasy RPG game using only 1970s miniatures, dice, and materials. And this is a game that I call Discos and Dragons that I run at uh, cons from time to time. I use hey. a, I use an old uh, outdoor survival board and I populate it with buildings from Life and Monopoly. And uh, the, the characters are represented uh, by a miniature that travels the outdoor survival board and they can visit towns and dungeons and explore the world of Ahos, which is Avalon Hills outdoor survival. Um, so we were using Holmes basic Dungeons and Dragons playing uh, 1970s old school stuff. And um, I had 23 players jump in and out uh, throughout the day. Uh, one of them stayed for eight hours. I got to jump in on your game for a couple hours there on Saturday, and it was I loved it. I loved your domino uh, dungeon walls that you did. Uh-huh. I'm 100% stealing that. <laughs> uh, that was cool. Uh, you also had all the the uh, the china sores that a lot of the original monsters were based off, and seeing all that stuff was cool. And I think you did a great job with people just coming in and, and it, it really was a, a jump in jump out game uh i saw like six people i think leave at the same time and then like six seats got filled right away uh, so being able to juggle all that was was impressive it was great and i should uh, point out from even previous days we had two or three panels uh for troller games over the weekend i know that steven did a uh gm's trick of the trade and if you get on uh, Trollord Games' uh, mailing list, uh, they still mail out several of Stephen Chenault's GM's tricks of the trade. And, of course, he runs a fantastic game, and I believe his 20-person game was probably Friday night, as I recall. But, yeah, on Saturday, or I guess Friday or Saturday, I, I forget which one now. <laughs> We've had a little time pass. Uh, they did a Trollord Games panel, so you had all the royalty there. Uh, Dakota and I stayed back at the booth and kept things going there, but Stephen Chenault, Mac, Jason, uh, Davis and, and, and Steve and, and Todd uh, there for a big panel. And I, it's my understanding we may have gotten that recorded or that Gary Khan uh, themselves, I, I think they record these uh, panels and keep them. I'm going to look into that because I, I'd like to see the panel myself. And I'm sure there was a great wealth of information, be it working with uh, Gary Gygax in the past or what the latest projects are with uh, Jim Ward and Chris Clark, all, all of that there. Uh, and, and Saturday was a, a certainly a, a great day. Um, as far as my game later in, in the day, kind of skipping ahead to that part, uh, I did um, The Nights Before Christmas is the game I ran uh, later uh, Saturday night, which is uh, Victorious. And I've talked about that plot uh, a few times on the uh, Crusader podcast, the Victorian Supers game. And Jesse, is, your your wife was in that game. There there were several. Uh, we, we had a full boat uh, for that game, and, and it went pretty well. Uh, started out with uh, them responding to, um, well, it, there was a loss of a Supers uh, team in New York City, the Minutemen, and so forth, and 
and we got into uh, the meat of that adventure after uh, dealing with some street thugs that were in a uh, shootout with police, and then kind of getting to Central Park where Bobby Yaga's hut was, and, and these children that had been uh, whisked up as a part of uh, Bobby Yaga's uh, plans and, and whatnot, and, and so that that went really well, and uh, during the game, I uh, was able to meet some, and, and of course, I knew the person, but I didn't realize that this person who shall remain nameless was uh, the, the successful bidder on two books that I had uh, signed by Jim Ward at, at GameholeCon last year. In my own personal convention stock, I still had a couple of copies of the out-of-print hardcover of Gods and Monsters. That's essentially Castles of Crusades, Deities, and Demigods uh, book, and we'll be bringing that back in kind of a new and improved form within the year or so, at least, I guess. Uh, but either way, I had those signed by Jim, and I kept talking to uh, Tim Burns, also at uh, Gary Khan, and uh, Stephen about what we should do with these, and kept trying to think of this or that or somebody's medical funds or whatever the case may be. But then I thought, wait a minute, the Gary Khan auction, and uh, we knew that they were uh, doing the auction in support of Extra Life and, of course, the Wounded Warrior Project. And and I love our past and present military, so it was really good to see the books go into that auction. And uh, just came up in conversation during the game, uh, the uh, the session of Victoria Saturday night, that one of the players at the table, great guy and his wife, uh, he bid $140 on those books. It was a combo deal. And so that money uh, went. We were certainly not the only people that had products in the auction. And a lot of people uh, gave of their products to uh, benefit those organizations. But we were glad uh, uh, for that person's generosity, $140 for those uh, signed copies. That's really cool. I was really pleased with that because, uh, you know, you hear Wounded Warrior Project. It's like, sign me up. So Saturday for me, I ran Keep on the Borderlands using CNC. That's my all-time favorite module. Uh, it was an interesting group. Had a lot of fun. Uh, of course, they jumped right to the hardest <laughs> caves in the in the Caves of Chaos there. And it was all randomized because uh, one of the characters was playing a barbarian. And when they were trying to decide which caves to go into, he would just throw some dice. And I don't know how he was determining <laughs> how they, uh, what they rolled or whatever, what they meant. But he said, I'll just toss the bones. And he would throw some dice. And he's like, we're going to go into this cave. So mm -hmm. they did the did the adventure backwards, kind of. They went to the, the toughest cave first, which was quite cool. Of course, over the weekend, you know, uh, we, uh, the trolls, saw so many people uh, within the industry as well. The folks at Frog God and Goodman Games and John Popson and his miniatures and Stephen Lee, who does the 77 Worlds and Dragon Scales with Jim Ward. And then, of course, uh, and we're, there's so many you could mention. And, and Chris Clark with Inner City Games Designs, uh, his Ziploc bag games that he's done since at least sometime back in the 1990s, and his RPG products as well. But kind of bringing that in, uh, the deal just coming closer and closer uh, to reality with the, uh, and, and they're really doing great work, Jim and Chris, on uh, the uh, Starship Warden. I didn't get a chance to see the book. I know there was a uh, a printout sort of thing that Chris had shown me at Game Hole Con last time, and it, they're really just doing some great work on that. And and I, and I don't know the timetable, but that's coming soon. So it was kind of nice to hear more about the Starship Warden, all 17 levels of the Starship Warden from Metamorphosis Alpha for the Siege Engine. That that is going to be great, you know. To especially if you like other genres other than just fantasy, you're now going to get to play a great game like that 
through the siege engine mechanic. So I, I, I can't wait. And it was kind of nice to interact with uh, Chris and, and Jim and talk about that and, and a great many other things. So there were so many extended members of the Trollord family, people that are, have worked with and are still working with uh, Trollord Games at, at GaryCon. Yeah, it was great getting to see everybody, uh, getting to see all the trolls. Uh, that was fantastic. And then running into people and putting faces to names. I got to talk to Jason Hobbs from Hobbs and Friends, and he does Random Screed also. I love both of his podcasts, so that was really cool to finally get to talk to him in person. And uh, Larry Larry from Follow Me and Die, uh, that podcast is one I like also. And I've I've ran into him at a he's another Michigan guy, so I've I've been with him at a few different conventions. But I got to test his new card game that he's developing. I loved it, and I got to play that with Mac also. He he sat in with that demo too. So it was it was cool just seeing so many people and and fans of the Crusader podcast and people on the Facebook group that I I recognized, and it was just really cool. Yeah, uh, you know, and I went the whole weekend and just never managed and kept forgetting to go to the little uh, Dave Arneson exhibit. I saw all the pictures, and usually at past Gary Cons, I would get by these various exhibits, whether it was. Dave McGarry said this this huge exhibit of the history of the dungeon board game that has essentially been in print for the most part a better part of 40 years and and I and I totally missed that and sometimes it's easy to forget about these other things that are going on when you're running games and you're also working at the booth I did manage to get over and see uh, my many artist friends over there and and some of them with TSR obviously as well Diesel LaForce and Jeff Butler, you remember some of his work on Marvel superheroes and things with TSR back in the day. And uh, of course, Larry Elmore and Jeff Easley and and Jason and, and Brent Chumley and some other guys who have done some uh, work in the later years as a younger artist or a middle-aged artist, I guess you could say these days. And it was great to see those guys and great to also uh, put some of those Edgar Rice Burroughs sets, uh, the big coffee table books that Troll Lord Games, uh, Chenault and Gray has been doing uh, for uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, covers of all the books, the pulps, uh, there are three or four of the art guys picked those up. And so we doing my extra duty, hand delivering those over there to uh, to the art room. But that that's also another great area to check out. And Darlene, how can I forget Darlene of the world of Greyhawk maps and some of her contributions to the uh, uh, DMG and, and other uh, things for TSR, the first lady of, uh, of fantasy art, no doubt. And so that, that's always a great time to see those folks. Speaking of all those little extra things, did you guys, either of you, do the chainmail jousting? No. no. I mean, extracurricular activities? What? <laughs> yeah, I made the mistake of scheduling myself wall to wall. Like, we ended a game, and our game started on the same hour. <laughs> it, it was... Uh, it was hard to get around to just visit people or do anything but game, uh, which is typically how we schedule our cons. But I think we're uh, we're getting older, <laughs> and I think we're going to try to slow down a little bit and give ourselves some breathing room. So if you get the chance, do the chain wheel jousting. It only takes about fifteen minutes. It's uh, it was it was super fun. I mean, it's just the jousting rules from chainmail. The person who does it, they uh, rank everybody with the results so it's it's obviously you against another person they rank everybody and and they go through like an elimination process and stuff so i jousted with my wife and uh beat her pretty badly <laughs> so sunday for me was i i said bye to some people grabbed a couple things from the dealer hall and and took off i trying to get back home had to go back to work on monday so 
Uh, didn't have as didn't have as bad of a drive as you guys did. It was only it's only about five six hours for me. Yeah, yeah, and you know, on Sunday we did pick up a, a, a few last minute uh, people uh, that picked up Castles of Crusades. Uh, one of the dealers that I've known her and her friend for a number of years. Their their daughter is uh, in the CNC now. We set them up with a real nice uh, uh, introductory package and whatnot. Uh, the things she would need to run the game and uh, made some. Uh, Headway with uh, a player of ours, Maddie, uh, that's at uh, the last two, Gary Cons, and was at last year's Game Hole Con. She uh, has been more of a recent convert to uh, board gaming and role playing in, in recent years from the Wisconsin area. And uh, she's picked up a PHB in the past, uh, picked up a Monster and Treasure, because I'll sell them anytime, anywhere. I think that was a sale mm-hmm. in the uh, Clarion dining area at game hole last year for the monster treasure and and, and she's uh i was talking to her because she ran dcc it was her first time ever as a convention judge and i guess it went fairly well she had some uh ups and downs but it was a good experience for her and she's uh very likely going to run some castles of crusades for us at uh one of the upcoming game hole con or gary con so we were able to plant some seeds and 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 make some headway with people that we've known for a while that are getting into the game or willing to run the game. So that was really exciting too. And then of course, you know, we packed it up on Sunday. I think they were shutting down around one or so. And and we had so many trolls there on this trip that you couldn't help but get it done even quicker. And uh, thankfully we had enough people. Uh, Steven was content to drive, I think almost the entire way back outside of uh, Davis driving uh, for a while. And uh, I finally did sleep some. I'll tell you that much for sure. <laughs> uh, I needed it by then. I Saturday night, I went out a little bit for a while after my gaming was over. Because by the time you get done with 11 o'clock game, you get back to the hotel room. You know, I, w- I went out to see some people, went back to the hotel room, went out. But I kind of kind of petered out a little bit. But that's what staying up till 3 and 4 a.m. will do to you uh, over the course of a con. But, uh, yeah, it, it looks like uh, the, the Trolls had a really good drive back after they uh, dropped me off in southeast Missouri. I don't know if anybody got to see the WTLG uh, troll radio broadcast on Facebook, essentially. But the guys kept themselves entertained uh, on the way home as they were leaving uh, southern Missouri. And uh, you, you just had to see it. You had to be on Stephen Chenault's Facebook page at the right time for that one. Uh if uh, you know, <laughs> the the musical selections, let's just say, were yeah, they they were what they were. Yeah, we drove home Sunday as well, uh, uh, back to back to Arkansas, and uh, oh man, yeah, the drive was my least favorite part of the con. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our Gary Con report. It was a great time, like always, and hope to see you guys at the next one. And a special salute to uh, Luke Gygag, Skip Williams, Dave Conant. And, and and Mike No and all the other people that go into making Gary Con what it is, uh, they they really do uh, uh, some hard work to to make that happen. Some games may change, but the Castles Crusade Siege Engine remains the same.
you're going by the book like Lieutenant Savick. I have to throw in a Star Trek II reference for uh, Carl, who's not a Star Trek fan. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. Don't even worry about that. I went real deep. 